Please join with me in prayer. God of grace, pour out your spirit on us as your word is read and proclaimed, that in hearing it, we might see how we are called to live. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Psalm 145. Listen now for a word from the Lord. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate your fame and your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever heard of somewhere referred to as a thin place? Until I was part of the Presbyterian Church, I had never heard them use this term. In case you're not familiar with it either, a thin place is a space in which it feels like the world is such that you are walking in two worlds. A space where you feel that you can come so close to God and God comes so close to you. The first time I heard this term was when I had made the trek up to the mountains of North Carolina to visit Montreat. 
If you've ever had the privilege of visiting Montreat, you may know well why folks call this a thin place. But if I'm honest, I grew up in church. I've been to many conference centers, and I've sat in worship spaces that feel like holy moments. And so, at first approach, I wasn't quite sure why everyone made it out to be such an amazing experience. What was it that gave people such reverence around Montreat? I think the truth is that for each person who has that thin place experience at Montreat, it may be for different reasons. I know I finally had that thin place experience when I made it up to the top of Lookout Mountain. That was where I felt extreme closeness with God. And not just because of the altitude. You see, I'm not really an athletic person, and so the idea of going on a hike was not my norm. But everyone else was doing it, and so I felt that I needed to take part. About halfway up the trail, I was pretty sure that I would just stop and turn around and tell everyone else that I'd meet them at the bottom. But I really didn't want to be publicly shamed for how out of shape I was, and so I kept going. And oh, what an experience it was to reach that mountaintop. To look out and survey the miles of rolling hills, to see valleys peppered with lakes, to watch the French Broad River bend its way through the towns below. It was all so much beauty that I couldn't stand there and not feel incredibly close to my Creator. In those moments, all that flooded my mind was, how great is God? When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, a great hymn of our faith echoes, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. I imagine that I am not the first to have that holy moment, that mountaintop experience. How great thou art reminds us of those thin place experiences, those moments when we are able to feel so close to God and know that God is so close to us, that we can't help but sing of God's greatness. What's interesting to me is that this hymn didn't start out as we know it today. In fact, it originated as a single verse penned by a Swedish minister named Karl Boberg. It wrote, he wrote it in 1885 and published it, seemingly forgetting about it. It wasn't until several years later when he heard it being sung to the tune of an old Swedish melody that he realized it had meaning for others. It was passed around in small circles, not gaining too much fame. It made its way over to Russia, 
where an English minister named Stuart Hine found himself humming the tune in the midst of the Carpathian Mountains. It was there that he penned an additional three verses. For several years, it was passed around the mission field. And in the 1960s, Dr. J. Edwin Orr was visiting Assam, India, and heard how great thou art being sung, and was so moved that he brought it back to the United States and began using it in his tent meetings. It was picked up by the Billy Graham Crusades a few years later, where it peaked in popularity and became known as one of the great hymns of our faith. It took some 80 years for how great thou art to morph from this one-line stanza into the classic that we love today. It was passed from country to country, from minister to minister, each understanding and experiencing it in their own way, wanting to give testimony to the greatness of God, wanting to share that understanding with others. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. The psalmist says this in our lesson this morning. It's the story of our hymn passed down and told from one to another, and it's very much the story of our faith. Psalm 145 is the prelude to the finale. It's a hymn of praise that's gearing up for the Psalms to give one final victory lap that reminds us of all that God has done, all of the ways that God deserves our praise. The author uses several techniques to emphasize how worthy God is of our praise. From the onset, the psalmist says they will extol God and bless God's name forever and ever. In our translation, this language of forever and ever happens about three times, verse 1, verse 2, and the final verse, 21. But in the psalm scrolls that were found in the caves of Qumran, every verse was followed by the stanza, Bless the Lord, and blessed be his name forever and ever. I think they wanted us to recognize that God was to be praised continually, forever and ever. But Psalm 145 isn't simply a call to praise. Each time we are called to praise God, a description of why God is due our praise follows. Take verse 3, for example. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Why? Because his greatness is unsearchable. Or look at verse 7. It says God should be celebrated, that we should sing aloud God's righteousness. And verse 8 tells us why. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Clearly, 
the psalmist knew my wandering heart. And the way I struggle to praise God when life is hard. Or maybe they experienced it too. You see, in this season of life, when I feel so exhausted, when I'm balancing trying to keep my family and others healthy, while continually missing being with our church family, I don't always feel that initiation, that desire to praise. Or when I turn on the news and scroll through social media and am reminded that racism did not go away with a few blackout changes of profile pictures or a march around the Capitol, I find it hard to praise. And when I'm reminded of the struggles of those I love who endure as they battle cancer, I find it hard to praise. And it's in these moments that I need this psalm. You see, the psalmist refers to God as king at the onset of our passage. And then in verses 10 through 13, it sets up this beautiful image of a kingdom It's a kingdom where we experience God's power and deeds, a kingdom that is everlasting. This isn't talking about David's kingdom in Israel. This isn't talking about a kingdom of a specific time and place. Rather, it's talking about a timeless kingdom. That kingdom we pray for week after week. The kingdom that Christ pointed us toward. That thin place where we experience God here on earth. And perhaps the psalm is trying to help me realize that those thin places aren't just up on the mountaintop, but are at the bedside of the friend we love or at the food distribution happening in our back parking lot. You see, in the ancient Near East, the role of a king was to provide a safe place of habitation for humanity. That safety included housing and food, drinking water, community, and much more. And if we see God as worthy of praise... If we have had those thin place moments, then I wonder how we understand God as our king in today's world. If we can truly stand here and proclaim the greatness of God, having experienced that grace and mercy and steadfast love, then I think we also have to be willing to claim the God who is just in all God's doings, who hears the cries of humanity and saves them, who destroys the wicked. And perhaps, instead of feeling beaten down by all that is going on in the world around us, perhaps the psalm is trying to help me claim that in these moments too, God is my king and is worthy 
of praise. If I know God is worthy to be praised and I don't see it reflected in the world around me, then I have a responsibility to get up and embody that goodness to those I come in contact with. Perhaps God is asking for my hands to be open so that others can experience that the Lord satisfies the desires of every living thing. Or maybe it's that the Spirit is working in us so that others may experience the Lord who upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Today, my hope is that we can hear this psalm and be reminded of how great thou art. And when we find ourselves in a place that doesn't feel quite reflective of the kingdom worthy of praise, may we get up and embody what we know to be true. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Alleluia. Amen.